0: hey everyone welcome back to the page to screen edition of the atkin county public library podcast where each month we usually discuss a book that's been turned into a movie or tv series as well as the reception of each thanksgiving has crept up on us and if you're like me you're anticipating all the good food i am definitely ready for some deviled eggs and pecan pie (laughs) i've even got my stretchy pants ready for the big day so I'm, i'm ready to go i don't know about all of you but we like to watch the macy's parade and the dog show in the morning Um, and then kind of you know cook for the rest of the day. So my brother he lives up in New York City actually so hopefully one day I'll be able to visit it and see it in person but until then I guess I'll just have to enjoy it from the comfort of my couch (laughs) in my pajamas. So after the parade I usually spend the rest of the day kind of cooking in preparation for the big meal and while I cook I usually throw on my headphones and listen to an audiobook so I can multitask. Some people don't like or really care for audiobooks, but I do. I listen to them a lot and it's a good way for me to kind of get things done and read at the same time. Whether you've got a a day of cooking ahead of you or if you're like my husband and you'll be waiting for the food to be ready, um, I always put him on the meat carving and dish duty so he's got some time to kill while the, the the meal is cooking. So you have time and you can read something. In the meantime, I think I may just have the book for you today. If you like romance, history, time travel, and adventure, this may be just the story for you. For this installment of Page to Screen, we're gonna be discussing one of the most popular series by a contemporary author to date. In this historical fiction fantasy series, we follow the story of a young English combat nurse from 1945, Claire Randall, who is mysteriously swept back in time to 1743 and finds adventure and romance with the dashing Highland warrior, Jamie Fraser, Outlander by Diana Gabaldon, is the first in a series of 10 planned books, nine of which have already been published. The most recent book in the series, Go Tell the Bees That I'm Gone, was released last November, right around this time. Actually, I think it was this day. I think it was November 23rd. A mix of several genres, the series has elements of historical fiction, romance, adventure, and traditional fantasy. It has sold over 25 million copies. The first book won a Romance Writers of America Rita Award in 1992. Outlander was also voted as one of the top 10 best loved novels in America, as seen on PBS as The Great American Read. A quick little sidebar, The Great American Read, conducted by PBS a few years ago, um, back in 2018, I think, was an eight-part series with your participation to to select America's favorite novel, told through the prism of America's 100 best loved novels. It investigated writers' fictional worlds, how we as readers are affected by these stories, and what the 100 different books have to say about our diverse nation and our shared human experience. It was a really fun experience, I think. I myself voted in the polls, um, and I also really enjoyed watching each episode that was released and kind of seeing how the books were placed they did a big reveal for the number one book. I won't I won't spoil it for you in case you want to check it out yourself. But I'm working through reading the 100 list that they released. And um, if that sounds like something you would be interested in, the list is available at uh, www.pbs.org, the great American read slash books. But anyways, back to Outlander. With 25 million copies sold, Outlander is one of the best-selling book series of all time. So it was only a matter of time before an adaptation was made. Now, as we've talked about before, adapting a book to a film or a series can be tricky. There's definitely a need to respect the original story, but at the same time, television is an entirely different kind of medium in and of itself. Gabaldon said that, quote, The show does a wonderful job with adapting the source material, but they have very limited space in which to tell a story. I don't. End quote. Because of that, there are always alterations regarding the plot and even the characters sometimes. Even though the series remained remarkably loyal to the source material, a few changes had to be made, of course. We'll discuss Outlander the book as well as the author, and then we'll discuss the series, the differences between the book and the Star's original series. The Outlander series often depicts mature themes in some graphic situations, so keep that in mind as you make your decision to read the book or not. I always keep you all as readers in mind when I do these reviews, so I really try not to spoil anything major to the plot, But in order to discuss and kind of compare the book to the show, there may be minor spoilers ahead, so just keep that in mind. Let's start with some background information on our author, the amazing Diana Gabaldone. Born on January 11, 1952, in Scottsdale, Arizona, United States, she is the daughter of Jacqueline Sykes and Tony Gabaldone. He was an Arizona State Senator from Flagstaff for 16 years, and then later a supervisor of Coconino County. Her father was of Mexican ancestry, and her mother was of English descent. If you go to her website, she published a blog entry in 2000, pretty much dedicated to the story of her birth and her parents. Her website has an abundance of information about anything Outlander related, so I recommend it if you're pretty invested in the story to check it out. That website is dianagabledome.com, if you're curious. I was actually lucky enough to be able to attend... The Bookmarks Festival keynote closing event at Reynolds Auditorium back in 2017, at which none other than Miss Gabaldone herself was the speaker. After listening to her speak, it's easy to see how some of her own personality might bleed over into the characters as she's writing. Honestly, I would listen to her read her grocery list, um, but on a serious note, she just she has a very relaxing, soothing voice and a witty sense of humor that's really quite endearing, not to mention the fact that she holds three degrees in science, zoology, marine biology, and a PhD in quantitative behavioral ecology. She was also granted an honorary degree as Doctor of Humane Letters. So Gabaldone planned to write a novel with a historical setting for practice, but Did not have a specific setting in mind until she watched, happened to watch the War Games, which was a classic Doctor Who serial on PBS. Her eye was caught by the character Jamie McCrimmon, a young Scot from 1745, played by actor Fraser Hines. The image of the young man in the kilt stayed with her, and she decided to set her novel in 18th-century Scotland. She named her male protagonist Jamie after the Doctor Who character. However. Interestingly enough, the surname Frasier was not actually taken from actor Fraser Hines. I assumed that when I first read it, but since the PBS station cut off the program's credits, it was just a pretty amazing coincidence. Gabaldon's initial plan was to write a straight historical novel, but as she began to write the character of Claire, she says that the character, quote, promptly took over the story and began telling it herself, quote, making kind of smart aleck and modern remarks about everything. Gabaldon decided to make the character a modern woman and determine how she came to be in 18th century Scotland later. The rest is, as they say, history. This fast-paced and character-driven story begins in 1946. The Goodreads review reads, Claire Randall, a former combat nurse, is just back from the war and reunited with her husband on a second honeymoon when she walks through a standing stone in one of the ancient circles that dot the British Isles. Suddenly, she is a Sassanac, or an outlander, in a Scotland torn by war and raiding border clans in the year of our Lord, 1743. Hurled back in time by forces she cannot understand, Claire is catapulted into the intrigues of lairds and spies that may threaten her life and shatter her heart. For here, James Fraser, a gallant young Scots warrior, shows her a love so absolute that Claire becomes a woman torn between fidelity and desire and between two vastly different men and two irre- irreconcilable lives. So, there are a lot of characters within this story, but Jamie, Claire, and Frank are pretty much at the heart of the story. Claire Beecham Randall is a warm, practical, and independent former combat nurse who, as mentioned before, inadvertently travels back in time to the Scottish Highlands in the mid-18th century. They're married to Frank Randall in the 20th century. She falls for Jamie Fraser in the 18th century. A gifted natural physician and an amateur botanist, Claire is an only child and an orphan raised by her archaeologist uncle. The first few chapters of the book are really spent fleshing out Claire and Frank as characters where we get a chance to see how they interact with each other as a married couple that's just spent six years apart due to the war as well as how they interact with their peers. Franklin Wolverton Randall or Frank is Claire's husband in the 20th century and a history professor with a deep interest in his genealogy and heritage. He also worked for MI6 during the Second World War as an intelligence agent. So at the beginning of the story, you get the sense that there's a lot that this character may be holding back out of necessity or just that's how he's used to having to do. But their relationship isn't what I would call cold necessarily. But to me, there is definitely a disconnect, which is probably due mostly to the fact that they've just spent so many years um, in a very brutal war part. This brings us to our love triangle, which is pretty much a very driving plot for this first book. When Claire goes back through the stones and meets James Mackenzie Frazier, a.k.a. Jamie McTavish, who is a strapping young Scottish redhead with a complicated past and a disarming sense of humor, she's definitely conflicted between her marriage vows and the dire situation that she has found herself in. Jamie is intelligent, principled, and by 18th century standards, educated and worldly in the Goodreads reviews that I read through on the book, um, a lot of people were very torn on their opinion of Claire and kind of judging like how she could move on from her husband so quickly, who at this point, he's 200 years in the future. She has no idea whether she'll ever see him again. So, you know, she has that kind of going on. Um, But there's definitely this um, kind of opinion that She moved on very quickly to someone new, and even if necessity kind of forces her hand, people definitely did frown on that. Personally, as someone that watched the show first, I was entirely sympathetic to Frank. Um, With the series, the viewpoint, like with the TV series, the viewpoint is no longer just Claire's, um, but the series is kind of split between what's going on back in Inverness as well, um, and then what Claire is going through in 1743, so you kind of see both timelines going at the same time. And you just feel, or at least I did, I felt really just terrible for Frank. He's going through all this. He's worried about his wife. You know, he's a very sympathetic character. But I also feel like the cast made a huge difference, at least for me. Tobias Menzies, um, who is an English actor whom I had previously seen in Game of Thrones, he played Edmure Tully, Catelyn's brother. And then later as a middle-aged Prince Philip on the Netflix series The Crown. And I think he actually won an Emmy for that role. I could be wrong, but I think he did. Um, But he was the perfect choice for Frank. He really just made the character, and he made you sympathize with Frank, who is, again, really in a panic when he realizes that Claire has just disappeared into thin air. I don't want to give too much of the story away, um, but Menzies also portrays Jonathan Randall, a.k.a. Black Jack Randall, in the series. So Black Jack Randall is the primary villain of the story and also Frank Randall's ancestor, a British Dragoon Army officer. Jack very similarly physically resembles his descendant Frank, so it made sense that they would have the same actor actor portray both roles, but to me, Tobias Menzies he really outdoes himself in this show. The other two main characters are portrayed by Scottish actor Sam Hune and Irish actress Katrina Boff. I hope I said that right. When they were originally cast in these roles, there was a lot of discord about Sam, who was a relatively unknown actor being chosen for the role of Jamie. We, book readers, can get a little overprotective of our characters and how we kind of envision them, and readers were pretty upset at the time that Sam was not as muscular or as tall as the fictional Jamie is portrayed. Um, I had similar trepidations about Josh Hutcherson being cast as PETA in the Hunger Games franchise. I don't know that was probably 10-12 years ago, but it was a whole thing back then. Um, I wasn't exactly crazy about him in that role because I had seen him in other things um, and I just didn't really think he was going to fit that that role quite right and he wasn't exactly what I had envisioned for that character but after watching all of the the movies and kind of going through that franchise and that fandom I really couldn't imagine anyone else playing that role and the same happened for Sam Hewn he really carved out a place for himself with the with the Outlander Um, universe and fandom, and I feel like there would probably be riots if he or Katrina were ever replaced in that series. So personally, I watched the show first before I read the book, so I really didn't have a dog in that fight. I didn't really have an opinion one way or the other, but anyways, after the initial trepidation, the Outlander fans really embraced him with wide open arms. He has gone on to win the People's Choice Award for Favorite Cable Sci-Fi Fantasy TV Actor and the Saturn Award for Best Actor on Television and also received a nomination for the Critics' Choice Television Award for Best Actor in a Drama Series. Hewen and his Outlander co-star Graham McTavish also co-wrote Clanlands, Whiskey, Warfare, and a Scottish Adventure Like No Other, which reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list for hardcover nonfiction and combined print and ebook nonfiction in November 2020. If you haven't read that book, you really should. We actually have a copy here at the um, Yakin County Public Library uh, available for checkout, and we could also get in the audiobook for you from NC Cardinal if that's something that you're interested in, but the banter between Sam and Graham is amazing, and especially if you you listen to the audiobook, you just feel like you're sitting at the table right there with them. So there's also a show that accompanies the book, Men in Kilts. Um, It's The the name of the show is Men in Kilt, A Road Trip with Graham and Sam. But unfortunately, I think it's currently only available through a streaming service. Um, I think Hulu or Stars both carry it. You can probably even buy the the episodes through Amazon. But hopefully, they'll put it out on DVD at some point. Um, But for right now, it's just available through streaming services. So the same year that Clanlands was published, Heughan launched his own whiskey brand, the Sussanac, which was named, obviously, after his Outlander character's nickname for his wife, Claire. That's what Jamie calls um, Claire. Um, And it won consecutive double golds in the 2020 and 2021 San Francisco World Spirits competition. Katrina Boff is also a producer and former fashion model, and she was named by Entertainment Weekly as one of its 12 breakout stars of 2014. That month... She was also voted Woman of the Year at BBC America's Anglophilia Fan Favorites Tournament. In April 2015, Boff received Best Actress in a Lead Role Drama and Rising Star Award nominations for the 12th Irish Film and Television Awards and was named one of People magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People in the World. She won Saturn Awards for Best Actress on Television in 2015 and 2016. In November 2016, Balfe won the Scottish BAFTA Award for Best Actress on Television, and in February 2015, I'm sorry, 2018, she won the Irish IFTA for Best Actress in a Lead Role Drama. Balfe also received four nominations for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress Television Series Drama for her role in Outlander. It's hard to say whether these actors and actresses were made by Outlander or whether they, they made Outlander. They have been launched to stardom, and I really can't imagine anyone else in those roles. A funny little side story. (laughs) After several years, I finally convinced my mom to watch the show. So one day she messaged me that she had gone to town to pay some bills and run some errands, but that she had to get back home and watch the next episode as soon as she could because she was going into Jamie and Claire withdrawals, and that's a direct quote. Um, she was ready to get back to watch it. So I got a pretty good chuckle out of that. And I may have sent an I told you so <laughs> message back. It goes without saying that my mom is definitely not the only one. And Outlander has been a huge culture phenomenon. So so much so that the National Trust for Scotland has a page on their website dedicated to what they call the Outlander Effect. Pre-pandemic, the Outlander effect inspired an increase in tourism to Scotland, with fans of the story traveling to visit the real-life historic sites and landscapes that feature prominently in Gabaldon's story. They also have a list of the historic sites listed in the story. Similarly, North Carolina has also seen this same phenomenon, and tourism has increased due to the fact that beginning with Book 4, The Drums of Autumn, and Season 4 of the TV series, Jamie and Claire Frazier spend much of their time in North Carolina. Two locations central to the series storyline, Tryon Palace in New Bern and Alamance Battleground in Burlington, site of the battle between the Regulators and Governor William Tryon's troops, are now preserved as state historic sites. The NC Department of Natural and Cultural Resources also has a page on their website dedicated to North Carolina's Outlander connections as well as a map with each location starred. They actually even have a very local state park listed which some of you may or uh, know or have been to Stone Mountain State Park, which is located up 21 um, in the Roaring Gap t- Trap Hill area. So, you know, not only has Outlander been this huge pop cultural phenomenon with you know the books um going on for what 30 years now and then the TV series, I think they're in the seventh season now. I would have to check. I'm not caught up, <laughs> so I can't remember if it's the sixth or the seventh season. I do know that they're they're getting on up there. They're almost, they're catching up with her. Um, So hopefully she'll have that last book written um, before the last series comes out because each series, like each uh, season follows one book. So hopefully there won't be another Game of Thrones scenario where the show outpaces the books. One can only hope. But anyways, you know, it's been this great cultural phenomenon and, but not only that, it's also been a, a huge boon to Local tourism for Scotland and for North Carolina. So I think that's, that's a really interesting take on it as well. You could, there's so much you could research through and so many places you could visit. Um, it's just amazing. So anyways, if you have noticed, I have not really went over the differences, um, between the book and the series. And that's because honestly, there weren't really a lot of differences. The show remained very faithful to the book um, the, the differences that were there were very you know, they're minute, they're characters that were cut due to, you know, time constraints and, you know, little, um, factors and little things like that, um, that just, they just didn't have time to put it all into the series. Um, now if I revealed every single one of those to, to you all, if you've not read or seen the series, like, I feel like that would spoil it for you. So I'm not going to do that, but I will kind of go over the four biggest differences and two of them we've pretty much, well, actually three of them i think we have already mentioned um the first being Jamie and Claire their characters themselves not really looking like what um were portrayed in the books like what people thought that they should look like um and with Claire the actress's eyes i think are actually brown and in the book the character's eyes are blue so for some people that's not that big of a deal um but you know so There was the eye color difference, and then obviously the differences with Jamie that we discussed earlier between the character of Jamie and then Sam Hewn as an actor. Um, So there's those, and then the perspective, you know, in the book is primarily told from Claire. Um, But then in, in the series, we get to see perspectives from, you know, many different characters, even including, as we mentioned before, Frank and then even Jamie. So, the next um, difference is one that we've not really touched on, and that is one of the characters, I'm not going to mention which one, but his story is really different in the show than it is in the book. In the book, his, um, his storyline is kind of cut short, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but in the show, he's kind of had that Daryl Dixon effect. I don't know if any of you watched The Walking Dead, but Daryl Dixon was a character that in the books, he was supposed to have been gone, you know, very, very quickly and very early on. But he was a, a fan favorite. Um, so he has, you know, he's been on all these seasons. I feel like I heard he was going to get a spinoff. I could be wrong, but I think the series actually ended this past Sunday. So this is the end of an era there. But anyways, he... Um, has been throughout all the seasons and so this particular character in Outlander is kind of the same thing he did such a great job with the character I don't know if they if that's why he got to stay on or if it was just a plot line that they wanted to continue but anyways that is one major difference is his character is involved in the series whereas in the book it's not really so much um past the first book so the only other major difference we kind of touched on earlier too and that is the um characterization of frank in the series in the book he's much more unlikable like um he's just he's not as um empathetic i feel like as frank is in the series and that's why as a viewer you're kind of more compelled to feel sorry for frank and kind of wonder you know what jane what claire is thinking you know Mm -hmm. choosing jamie but in the book he's not really that likable so you kind of as a reader get more of a sense of why she makes the choice that she does so, those are pretty much the biggest differences between the series and the, and the book. So, other than that, the series remained pretty much faithful to the story. So, that's all I have for you today. Feel free to follow us on social media and let us know in the comments if you've read a book lately that really stuck with you, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. We would be really happy to see you there. If you haven't already, hit that follow button so you can follow this weekly podcast. Each week, Yakin County Public Library staff will be bringing you more topics, so be sure to check in every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next month for the next installment of Page to Screen. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving.